What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to another live episode of the Wisco Fanatic Show, where we discuss the Packers, Box, Brewers, Badgers football, and basketball from an optimistic perspective. Wisco Fanatics is brought to you by Cardboard Legacy. Wisconsin's most complete sports card shop. Buy, sell, grade, and consign all at their location in Oshkosh. Welcome back to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. As you could see on the graphic for our opening trailer now, we have Cardboard Legacy as a sponsor for 2024. We are very thankful for them. And um, we will actually be at their event on Saturday. They have an event at the Herd Arena. So I had to bust out the Herd hoodie for today. Um, Live at the Herd Arena, Saturday starting at 10 o'clock until 3 o'clock. Uh, they got some giveaways going. They're giving out some hobby boxes and some special cards. And Jake and I are going to be there. So, like, what are the reasons you need to go? I mean, maybe Jake Crowder will still be hanging around there since he just got uh, put on the Herd. So, maybe he'll show up, yeah. too. So, you never know. Just show I, up. You I wouldn't count on it. But... But you, you could settle for myself and Tyler. Yeah, uh, I did request that the rims be lowered to nine feet so that I can unexpectedly dunk on Jake before the show starts. But I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I don't know why. That's quality content. We could we could throw lobs to each other and dunk on other people, but he just likes to take it. I on specifically want to dunk on you. <laughs> Champ in the building. Congrats to Brad. <clears throat> he won yeah. Tyler's side of the bracket or my side. He won my side. Yep, of the your bracket. side. My <clears throat> side of the bracket. Yep. Brad won your side, and I. I forgot who finished. Oh, Michael finished second. So those two, and also Tim, who won on my side, I got second. Um, all three of them, plus myself, I know I don't really count because I'm already here, but all three of them agreed to donate their winnings to the uh, to the trip for the Senior Bowl, which I'm very thankful for. That's the three of you guys and, and the money from myself uh, essentially is paying for my flights to go down there and come back. So I'm really appreciative for that. We are still doing a 50-50 raffle, so if you want to get in on that, you can send the show page a message. We're doing a 50-50. Uh, we're going to try to sell some tickets in person and online and and try to raise a little bit more money for the trip. So um, thank you to everybody who is already participating in that and who is going to participate in that. Other than that, uh, Barry said he's going to the Herd game on the 1st, so have fun. 
That said, we're going to jump into Badgers basketball first, and we're going to start with a Badgers win over Nebraska. And, Mike, what are your two takeaways from the game? First off, yeah, Badger basketball team's killing it. I think we're number 15 in the AP pause of this week. So it kind of sucks people are starting to wake up and see this team, even though we, on the other hand, had an idea how good this team could can be. So that's first That is the number one in the Big Ten after Purdue lost last night. So uh, yes, I'm going to say exactly. this right now. If the Badgers win tonight, I'm making the Greg Gard apology for him. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm all, you know you know what I'm going to say to that. So this is obviously a quality win. And what you just said, Nebraska yep. just, just smoked Purdue last night. So the fact that we were able to win how we did on Saturday, number one, hell of a job. Anyway, first first call out, Chucky Hepburn. Um, I think we it comes at, as a, at a consensus. This is his best game that he played all year. You know, he was a stat stuff for this game. 13 points, six assists, three steals, two rebounds. I mean, the guy was everywhere. And I think the biggest call out with him is that he just seemed to have control in what he was doing the entire, literally the entire time of what – whether that was making the right pass, taking the right shot, you know, mm-hmm. stuff, stuff along those lines. And even defensively too, you know, and we got him with three steals. So um, just a strong sense of super what... crazy move too, where he faked the pass and did the Euro step. That was dirty. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, just a strong sense of what he was, you know, doing the entire time, just that complete control in my view, there was no, you know, big mistakes that, that I guess I, I can think of off the top of my head, but, you know, just with, you know, the command of things and he's just doing better. Cause we've talked about this. He's not a guy that's not settling for like last second shots in the shot clock anymore that we're, we're literally like, that's been cut in half, if not more this season. And that credits to like other teammates as well, but he's just making better decisions. He's controlling the pace, I think in some regard as well. And no, it was a hell of a job. Yeah, that was that's what Brad said in the comments. His first takeaway would be pace. Um, yeah, did you have you have a second one, right? Yeah. So it was a three point shooting. So we finally saw, and this is kind of what I envisioned of what this team could kind of could look like, you know, with the addi- additional pieces that we have and what we already have. So the Badgers made twelve. Uh, what was it? Thirteen. Yeah, eight different players made threes. Uh, in this game, which is absolutely insane. I think it was, yeah, it was 13 to 20, 26 total. So eight different players. That's the most. And the 13 total is the most we've had since this 2021 season. Can you guess which game I'm talking about off the top of your head? Oh, God. That was was, Micah Potter was on the team. Brad Davison. It was during COVID. It was at the end. It was towards the end of the year. Michigan State. It was North Carolina. So remember that COVID game at when they everyone was just eating that game. Like Brad Davis off, Micah Potter went off. Those are the two guys off the top of my head that can a bunch of threes. But that was the last time the Badgers got 13 threes in a game. Hmm. So um, yeah, it was a big call out. So eight different players, Crowell, T Wall, even though that one was whatever. But uh AJ Store, Klesmit, Chucky, C E three, and John Blackwell. So Again, it's kind of like what I envision what this team could look like. It's just mm-hmm. another facet of like where the batters can be very good at. So uh, it was good to see uh, just another you know part of the, the Badger offense that's starting to come together. 
So I'm going to go next, actually, because you're talking about three-point shooting ties in really well with my second takeaway, which is balanced scoring. So you already mentioned the three-point shooting. The Badgers were 13 of 26, 50% on threes. That's crazy. Yeah, I'll take anything over 35 in a college game. <clears throat> that said, the Badgers were also 33 for 60 on field goal percentage. That's 55%. And they were 9 of 13 at the line, which isn't great. It's 69.2%, so it's nice. Uh, but <laughs> but looking at like a triple slash, 55%, 50%, just shy of 70%, that is really, really balanced scoring and really efficient scoring at all three levels. So scoring at the rim, mid-range, and three-pointers. Brad is getting ahead to my next one. My second takeaway is Connor Asijan. So Connor Asijan came in, he just started <clears throat> splashing instantly. Instantly started splashing. He, I'll say this, I'll say I think this is the most comfortable that he's looked all season. 100%. By far. <clears throat> and that led to his shot looking more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like when that first one goes in, went in, it was like, okay, here we go. This is like what we've been... You know, he was kind of hunting his shot, to be honest with you. And they were nice running plays for him, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were setting down screens for him. They were getting him to the corner to try to get him shots. So, with that, the thing that I noticed and the reason that I instantly put him on my um, on my list of takeaways to talk about is because I saw effort from Connor Asijan on the defensive end. That's why I wanted to talk about him, even more so than his three-point shooting. Because that we expect from him. Mm-hmm. Where we need to see growth from Connor Asijan is defense. And I saw the effort. Mm-hmm. So it's the effort is there defensively in the Nebraska game. I'm really going to be watching to see if it goes forward, that it continues. Um, and then he was asked about it after the game, about his effort. His quote was, whatever the team needs, I'm there. So all this Connor Asijan is going to transfer out nonsense. Just stop. No. He no. just needed to get healthy, and he needed to apply himself on defense, and now he's back in the rotation. Yep. Yep. That's it. Exactly. Jake, what two things stood out to you from this game? So first of all, I'm going to pat myself on the back since nobody else is going to. But I'm going to go to Brad's first comment. He said, my first takeaway would be pace. We go back to last week, and we say goals from Jake. Hmm. Play faster. That's a good thing. It looked good. And then go to Brad's next comment. Good to see a smile on CE3 face, right? Huh, what was my next goal? Give Connor some minutes. I'm a fucking smart guy, I got to tell you. So now that that I got that off my chest, Jordan's over here. Oh, um, he's giving some predictions for Friday. Friday, Your score prediction is very close to mine. I'll be completely honest with you. You have to wait (laughs) for Friday night to hear it, though. So my takeaways were the bench and for for a couple of reasons. So Mike already mentioned that the Badgers were number 21 uh, facing Nebraska, right? By the way, we did the Nebraska what Nebraska did to Purdue. So just think of the potential of this Badgers team. Yeah. Yes. Literally oh, the my God, yes. <laughs> you look at the bench and with Connor, you know, giving effort on defense as Tyler broke down, uh, shooting NBA range threes and just – being a, a difference maker off the bench with Blackwell, I think this duo together, if consistency is held, can make the Badgers easily a top 10 team in the country. 
That is what I ceiling wise. So you you go through the starters, right? Hepburn, he's a dog on defense. He's a playmaker. He's always looking to get his guys involved. Crowell, when he's aggressive, he's very good. When Crowell is aggressive, he's very good. Tyler Wall, Tyler Wall is Tyler Wall. You want if there's a Mr. Consistency on this team, it's Tyler Wall. AJ Store, that guy has so much potential, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Seriously, he could score from everywhere. He had a disgusting mid-range where he almost traveled, and then he can he canned it, and I was like, oh, boy, this guy's good. <laughs> and then Klesmit, the guy just gives you effort, right? So then when you add in Connor and Blackwell, the dynamic duo, I'm going to call them, Blackwell can score in a lot of ways. And when Connor Sejan is stretching out the defense, the Badgers are really hard to stop. Yeah. So my one after that is transition, transition defense, basically. So Nebraska, I talked about pace a lot last week. Nebraska likes to get up and down. They they have a very high high pace. Uh, they're at about 72 possessions per game. So for the Badgers to hold them to 11 fast break points, I mean, I know we only had four. But to hold Nebraska, who likes to get out and run and get their shooters open looks, to hold them to 11, I thought that was fantastic. You know, the Badgers, the Badgers have this mindset, and I heard this quote a long time ago. Um, my uncle might have told me this, but – it's come with your defense and let your offense catch up. The Badgers have always hung their hat on defense. So getting back uh, and defending the rim, the Bucks could take some notes on this. We're going to get into them in a little bit. But getting back and stopping transition, that's a big key in today's game. So kudos to them. I just wanted to point that out that I think that the Badgers defense is, a, is as elite as it possibly can be. It's as elite as it's ever been. You know, you think about – you're going to see 72 points. You're going to be like, no way. But I actually looked some stuff up, right? In basketball, there's just more scoring. Mm-hmm. Like, Tyler, I've talked to you about this. You know, I was looking up the, the top scores in the NBA, right? You go just 10 years ago when the Golden State Warriors run started. They were the number one scoring team at 110 points per game, right? The lowest scoring team in the league this year is 110 points per game. Is it really? Wow. Yes. Yeah. That's the lowest scoring team would have been the highest scoring team by decimal points. They actually scored more than the Warriors. They would have been yeah. the highest scoring team in the league ten years ago. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> no yeah. Way. Brad Stevens retiring. Brad put the news in there. I wanted to use it to transition to talk a little bit about college football. What? Yeah, that's uh, that's a thing that's happening. Oh! We get to face oh! Alabama with no Saban. Yes. Oh man. That's I saw crazy. the D coordinator. They they got rid of the D coordinator, but holy crap, that and is. So now there's another transfer portal, right? How many of those guys are going to leave because they came there for saving? Holy crap! I have. I don't think he would leave them in the dark on that. I don't know, man. I've heard a lot of bad stuff about saving. I don't know. I, I, was, I, was I don't the, know the exact number on what guys can do for transfers after a coach leaves. I want to say it's like two weeks. If there's I'm not, yeah, there's got to be a grace period. I think it's it's like wow. ten days to two weeks. It's somewhere around there. Nick Saban is retiring. You know yeah. what? Yeah, I, and I just want to say congratulations to him, man. Clearly, one of the best college football coaches of all time. Yeah, I mean, for for him 100%. to build up Alabama to what it was, they were they were the devil to a lot of people for a long time. LSU, Wayne Natty titles at two different schools. LSU, yeah, that's, Alabama. You know. 
I know that was a while ago, but I mean, still, that's very, very impressive. For him, yeah, yeah that that just speaks to his greatness, man. For him to be that relevant for that long, really. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Congrats to him, and thanks for the breaking news, Brad. You got to put breaking news in capital letters next time. <laughs> if you can put the red siren emoji on it, <laughs> right? Let, really do let me know what's coming in hot. Are we sure Saban's not ducking us next year? Are we? Are we sure about I mean, that? Oh, wow, he's ducking Camp the Randall. Like. At Camp Randall, <laughs> at night. Hopefully, you know what? He saw Ricardo Holman's coming back. He said, "Yeah, yeah right." Oh, I'm out. Yeah, that is I'm official. By the way, for anybody wondering, Ricardo Holman yes. officially announced that he is coming back for next season. That was a sick ass graphic, too. Yeah, yeah was. I aspire to that level. We'll see. Okay, so I want to throw a couple things out there. One on the fundamental failure front. Um, yeah, my dad said breaking question mark question mark question mark Pete Carroll out as head coach of Seahawks. Did see? That. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. They There's rumors that he might work in their front office. Um, Reggie, what's up? We're just talking some Badgers, and then we're going to transition a little bit. So, okay. One thing, fundamental failures, the Badgers did miss those four free throws I mentioned. They only gave up six second chance points, and they gave up 12 points off turnovers. So that's 22 fundamental failure points. That's super low. Nebraska did not get the lead within 13 points at any point in the second half. That was like, wild. At no point did they threaten the Badgers with single digits. Um. Yeah, Saban is retiring. That's yeah. That's true. Okay. Tyler, one more, one more thing. One more thing, if you don't mind. So after Nebraska's win, right? The Badgers are ranked twelfth in Ken Palm. They are ranked seventh in the the seventh in the country now in offensive efficiency. The strength of schedule is ranked thirteenth. Can we give this coaching staff uh, some credit here? The the strength of schedule, like we have, literally the best. You could argue we have the best resume, like. In college basketball, pretty Mike, damn give me those numbers high. again. 12th in the Ken Palm. 7th in the country in offensive efficiency. And 13th at the strength of schedule. 13th in strength of schedule. Got it. Yes. I had to get that graphic. out there. All right. So we only had one game to recap this week. However... We're going to have three next week. So the Badgers play tonight at Ohio State. They play Saturday against Northwestern. And then they play Tuesday at Penn State. So the Badgers, a little bit of traveling this week to go away, home, away. But, Mike, what are two goals that you have for the Badgers in their next three games? This first one, I'm just going to stick to strictly, like, tonight because this guy is actually familiar in the Big Ten. I got contained Jamison Battle um, for any Mm, Big Ten nuts uh, that – watch college basketball as much as me. Jamison Battle came from George Washington. Then he transferred to Minnesota for a year, for a year I think it was, or two. And now yeah. he's at Ohio State now for, for a year or two. So um, he's averaging 15 po- points a game right now, 6'7", senior. It's going to be interesting who they put on him, actually. I don't know if I would put A.J. Store on him. They might put Tyler Wall is my guess, I guess, if I had to pinpoint it. Because Ohio State's not that big. So I'm thinking that Tyler Wall is going to get the, the job of guarding battle. That was my first thought, um, too. He's 40, one, one stat that stuck out, he's 47 of 104 from three. And that's best at 45.2% from three, which is the best in the Big Ten. Nice. So, and he does play. He has an inside-out game, too. So mm-hmm. uh, he he's definitely, you know, one of the top-tier players in the Big Ten. He, he makes the engine go, I think, for Ohio yeah. State. And we've actually done historically pretty well. 
against him in games past for the most part. So uh, it's going to be interesting just to keep, keep him in check and who, who's going to be guarding him. My guess is going to be Tyler wall. So, um, and then, yeah. And then the second goal, I guess we're five and five with Ohio state in the last 10 meetings too, with the most recent meeting coming in an embarrassing loss last year in the big 10 tournament. So we really, we, I, I think we got a little, I don't want to say revenge in our minds tonight, but I mean, that, that would be in the back of my head going to this place. I still remember high. like the fact that they made that game even close was wild. Yeah. That they were so, down like what, 25 and they got it within yeah. five. Like that was crazy. Yeah. Obviously don't get cool. down 25, but it was fun when they were coming yeah. back. Yeah. It was <laughs> like, oh, we're probably not going to make, <laughs> make the tournament anyway, but hey, great, great ride. But uh, yeah, then fun. the second goal is, you know, <laughs> We just need to keep feeding off of each other, similar to how we, how the Nebraska game was. We saw how good this team can be, whether that's with balance scoring or three-point shooting, right? So we just got to keep feeding off each other. I know it's very, it's very uh, blunt, kind of what I said, but again, we saw we got eight different players that you know hit a three-point shot. We we got guys that can do it. I believe Stephen Crowell too. I want to call this out. I believe he's twelve at seventeen from three-pointer from the three-point range this year. That sounds right. Believe it or not, you can fact-check that, but it's pretty close. That sounds um, right. So he's you know he keeps getting better and better too, and he's another guy that was making just all the correct decisions last Saturday. He didn't have you know the most points or yeah nine points, seven rebounds. That's still Damn near a double double, right? But How we many score offensive? more. Uh, we have one offensive board. Oh, okay. Six defensive ones, but still good. Not nevertheless. Um, so you know, it's just you know, you whatever the matchups are, we have you know eight to nine dudes that that can you know go to work for us. So just keep feeding off of each other, whether that's in the paint or from three. Just you know, find the guy who's hot and you know go to work. Reggie brought up Marquette losing. There was a lot of top 10 teams losing last week. A oh, lot last night. I mean, Purdue yeah. and Houston, who lost to yep. Iowa State. Yeah. Didn't uh, oh, Houston's not like, undefeated anymore? Yeah. No, they lost to Iowa State last <clears throat> night. I was like, oh. I think Kansas lost this week. I know Villanova lost this week. It's, yeah, it's been kind of a crazy week. And if it benefits oh. the Badgers, you know, that's great. But I won't, I won't tolerate Marquette slander because I still am a fan of Marquette. <clears throat> that said, Brad said, Brad said, keep the smile on Connor Asijan. Jake, what are your two goals for the next three games? My first goal is to let the bench duo cook. Uh, I really think that they elevate this team to new heights that we haven't seen in quite a long time, maybe 10 years, maybe since that 2014, 2015 team. Um, This is a really, really well-constructed roster. So credit to everybody involved with the Wisconsin Badgers team that put this roster together because they did a hell of a job. Hmm. So Crazy. let's have the bench duo cook a little bit. Let's have Connor stretch the floor. Let's have Blackwell do his thing. And, uh, yeah, my second goal is Chucky needs to bring his A game. Uh, there's two people we face this week that uh, I believe are very good players. Bruce Bruce Thornton uh, from Ohio State. He's a, he's a guy that, that runs the show over there. Yeah, I, I, I was getting ahead of myself. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but I couldn't, I couldn't contain the chuckles. So. I, I was, I was getting ahead of myself trying to say his name. I was, I'm looking at the numbers and I'm ready to read them. But um, Bruce is averaging 16.9 points, 2.9 rebounds, and 4.3 assists. He's very quick. He can get a shot whenever he wants. So Chucky's going to have to be on his A game and make him defend you as well. And then somebody that you know, again, if you're a, a Big Ten basketball nut. Uh, you should probably know who this guy is. He has a sick yeah. name, Boo Booey. 
right? He's, he's a good player. Uh, he's a fifth-year senior, so he has a lot of experience. Yeah. And North Northwestern has been kind of tough since he's been there. I won't lie. They haven't They're been the funky. same old, same old. That, that's a good team. That is – don't kid yourself. Don't that's still a good, good team. Yeah, yeah, so he's he's averaging 18.1, 3.5, and 4.9. So, again, lots of experience out of Boo Booey. So he knows how to control pace of a basketball game, especially in the Big Ten. He's been around for a while. So Chucky's going to have to go mano y mano with both these dudes. Yeah, and I want to throw this out there real quick on your bench, <clears throat> your bench goal. It's going to take a it's going to take time, obviously, but when Nolan Winter puts some muscle on, he's going to be harder to score on. Oh yeah. So and they talked about this during the broadcast, and just kind of you brought up a little bit in the defense part of it too he's not going to be as easy to push around by upperclassmen who have been building muscle for the last four years yeah so i'm gonna give i'm gonna give him some time on that to build some muscle but my two goals first ties into my takeaway from the nebraska game is to maintain the efficiency and it comes from making good decisions Mm -hmm. and from playing for each other Mm -hmm. so we we talk about there's a lot of guys that can score on this team but we've seen it, and I'll use the Packers as an example because it's a perfect example. When everybody wants the best for everybody else around them, mm. that unselfishness, it makes teams so hard to guard everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if everybody is willing to try to help each other score, get each other open, help each other on defense, and then turn that into offense, maintaining that efficiency, you're going to get guys open shots. So that's a big thing. My second one, the conditioning. I want to see good conditioning on a busy week. This is the third week in a row that we've only had one game to recap. Next week, we're going to have three. Three games in the next seven days. Six, actually, if you include tonight and then to Tuesday. So three games in the next six days. I want to see what the Badgers conditioning looks like, uh, especially on Tuesday after having played two games in the last four days. That's a really good call, by the way. And two games on the road. Yep. So, and lots of traveling in between because they go home, they go away, home, away. So uh, that's that's four flights in between each game. Yeah, I like it. All right. <clears throat> Anything else you guys want to throw out there on Badger basketball before we say bye to Mike for the week? You'll be here longer next week. So yeah, yeah, uh, they're good. <laughs> they are good. God damn it, I knew it. But uh, no, we. I mean, that Nebraska win, we saw how big of a win that actually is. I mean, that's a tournament team. And Northwestern, Northwestern is a tournament team. Ohio State, they're still trying to get that first Big Ten win, but they were damn close against Indiana and Penn State. So I'm not ruling them out of being a tournament team yet either. So um, it's definitely going to be some solid mm-hmm. basketball that we're going to need to play down the stretch. But I do, I will say every game is beatable. For, for sure, for the Badgers. Oh, for sure. Hell, everybody yeah. on our Big Ten schedule is beatable, in my view. Call me bias all you want, but, uh, you know, we saw Purdue. They've had two conference losses already. So uh, it's wide open, but I think this is this sets us up for a hell of an opportunity to to put us up two games overall in the Big Ten starting tonight. The Badgers play Purdue February 1st, if I remember correctly, right? Let's look at that. Let's fact check that real quick, because if they do – that could be a top ten matchup. Yeah, February fourth. Oh, and, 4th. Then, and March tenth. So we play them twice yet. Yeah, yep. that are, it's our last game of the season, right? Yeah. yeah. Before and the Big Ten tournament. March 10th. 
Yeah. Yeah. So playing at Purdue is always tough, but the the first both matchups could be top ten, but I'm mainly focusing on the first one, which could be that could be a showdown, dude, in the Mad Town, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All righty, Mike. We will bid adieu to you next week. We will see you back, and until then, have a good week. Later, fellas. Pack thirty-four, Cowboys thirty-one. Let's get it. Oh, thirty-four. We're gonna need to drop thirty on them, dudes. I think if we have it, super if... close to mine. Spoiler alert. We yep. don't need <laughs> right. We can run the see ball. See you later, Mike. All right, so my dad left a comment in here that's a perfect transition to go from yep. the Badgers to the Bucks. My dad said that Giannis is about to pass Michael Finley in NBA scoring. I I would like to keep track of more milestones like that. It's, that's a goal I have for the page for the future is to be able to keep track of milestones more. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like, man, when we, get, we can do this all day, every day, that's something I'm going to be able to do more. But, yeah, so Giannis – uh, approaching Michael Finley to pass an NBA scoring. Now, we do not have power pairs this week, nor do we have underrated performers. Nope. This uh, our Bucks stuff is completely different this week because the team is completely different this week. So, before we stage an intervention, which is how we're doing our Bucks coverage this week, I feel like we should light a candle. Should we should light a candle? Um, <laughs> Is there anything you want to say on any of the games individually before we stage the intervention? Hang on. Give me a sec here. I'm going to start with the Pacers game. I have a couple. Firstly, we got to see Damian Lillard poster, Miles Turner, which was cool. Yeah, that was lit. Um, No, everything I'm about to say is going to relate to the game. I just want to touch on a couple things here and there because – we, we talk about the scapegoat mentality often, and the, the scapegoat mentality thing that people with the, have with the Bucks right now is defense and Coach Griffin. I don't understand the Coach Griffin stuff, but... Because he's a first-time head coach, and we're not perfect at everything right away. Yeah, so, yeah. So, defense, as far as the Pacers game is concerned, I'm okay with putting this one on the defense because the Bucks shot well. They gave up 47 points in the third quarter. That's okay to give up in a half, not a quarter. So I'm okay with putting this one on the defense. The Spurs game, I'm not okay with putting on the defense. Because the Spurs, first of all, I respect the hell out of their coach. Second of all, Wembenyama is a unicorn. And he's – the Bucks have never faced him before. Yeah. And the Spurs shot efficiently. It is what it is. I'm not – that game isn't some crazy defensive collapse. Same with the Rockets game. So the Rockets scored 112 points. Yeah. The defense, the defensive issues is not a one size fits all for every game the Bucs don't win. Rockets scored 112 points. That is their season average. To me, this game is more about poor shooting. They shot 26.5% from three um, and 29 of 42, 69% at the free throw line. And they lost by four points. This is not some catastrophic defensive collapse. This game was a bad shooting game. There's a really tale of two halves, do... especially. What's that? Yeah. Uh, sorry. Um, I really wanted to say nice during the free throw shooting, but seeing that we lost such a close game we, and we left so many opportunities at the free throw line, it's, that, that one hurts. Yeah, I get it. So just looking first half, second half, first half, the Bucks got outscored 63-43. The Bucks shot 39.5% on field goals. 23.5% on the three-point line and 69.2% of the free throw line. 
Second half, the Bucks outscored the Rockets 65-49. to They shot 52.6% on field goals, still 29.4% on threes, and 69% of the free throw line again. So they were better in the second half, but like, like Giannis said, Coach Griffin said, uh, just too little too late, basically. Yep. So, again, the Rockets scored 112 points. That's not some crazy defensive collapse. The right. Jazz game, it didn't matter if they played good defense or not, and I'm not saying they did play good defense. They played good defense at times, and it didn't seem to matter. But you can't compound not having good defense with um, with bad defense, crazy shot making by Utah, and then turning the ball over on offense. I, that's That's my biggest thing is turning the ball over when you're already shooting poorly. Uh, yeah. The Buckeyes scored 23 points in the first quarter, and they were down super big, super early. So that yeah. said, let's get into our intervention. There's there's different ways to look at this. So there's you can call them problems, whatever you want, uh, problems, opportunities, things to work on, whatever it is. I'm just going to start. I'm going to say the problems that I see is some days the defense makes things too easy. Some days the shooting is bad. And then the compounding bad shooting days with turnovers. That is my biggest thing. I'm going to talk about what I think about the defense when we get into some other segments with this. But for me, the biggest problem that I have is compounding bad shooting with turnovers. You cannot get zero shot possessions when your one shot possessions are not going through the rim. If you are not scoring well, you cannot take away chances to score without getting a shot. That cannot happen. Yeah. The way this team is built, and I will give them a pass on the Jazz game offensively because they did not have a true point guard on the roster. That's fair. Both of them were hurt. Or, sorry, Dame was out for personal reasons, but campaign is in the concussion protocol. They were so both. Give them a pass on that game. Yeah. But when you are in a bad shooting slump, you cannot turn the ball over on top of it. That's not the time to like sprint out in transition and try to make crazy fun passes. That is the time to slow the ball down. That is why we traded for Damian Lillard to make the half court offense more effective. So also, they, it, go ahead. It's also why Giannis is working on his post moves. True. This last offseason. So true. So it's it's a it's a philosophy thing, and it is a new coaching staff. So that is part of it. And mm-hmm. there's, we talked about the, the amount of roster turnover. Mm-hmm. But that's something that needs to get through everybody's head is when they're struggling to shoot, slow the ball down because this team can score in the half court. Yeah. They've been way better at it this year. They And we talked about this, well, last week or two weeks ago, that the Bucks took their biggest weakness from the playoffs, which was half court scoring, and made it one of their biggest strengths. Mm-hmm. So when you are struggling, go to what works for you, which is the half court. It's the Giannis and Dame pick and roll. It's the Dame and Brooke Lopez pick and roll. It's the Giannis and Chris Middleton pick and roll. Get into those things instead of everybody trying to sling passes across the court to corner three-point shooters. Yeah, Both passes are getting intercepted way too often, and it's just not worth it. I get if you have numbers to attack and transition, but this, this extra you know, trying to make these crazy passes and stuff, you need to reel that in when your offense is slumping. Great. Okay. What what potential problems are you seeing for the Bucks that you would like to intervene on? 
I don't even know where to start. <laughs> the first thing I'm going to say is the points in the paint, dude. That, that honestly, that's like in, in football, missed tackles for you, right? That gets to you. To me, yep. points in the paint is what really gets to me, man. And, you know, we've seen it in the past where they've given up a million three-pointers, right? And it seems like certain players play really good against the Bucs, and that's the thing. You Certain players play good against every team, right? But the thing that you can't have is giving up layups. And, you know, it goes back to your point about compounding problems, right? So when the Bucs are pressing on offense and they're turning the ball over, they're giving up easy transition points, and it, and it adds to this points per game. The Bucs are tied for 20 – or they're not tied at this one. They're 25th in the league. And points in the paint at 53.6. You're giving up 53 points. No wonder you're giving up games of 130 and 140. You're giving teams an average of 50 points in the paint. That's not even including free throws and three-pointers. Yeah. <clears throat> and, Brad, I'm going to get into that. So, when we transition from points in the paint to fast break transition, you like that? Nice. I really, I really expected a better reaction nice. from you. <laughs> Bucks you average thirteen point two points per game themselves on offense in transition. That's twenty first in the league. They give up fifteen points per yeah. game in transition. So that doesn't like mean just in the paint, but giving up the fifteen fast break points and then giving up the fifty three points in the paint. That's seventy eight points. That's that's too many already. Say, and then if you get into how like how well the Jazz shot the three ball, right? It was it was over by halftime. So that's what my dad said too, hearing Marcus Johnson talk about the game when it was just not going at all for the Bucks, and it was just every time the Jazz shot a three, it felt like it was going in. Yeah, it was. They felt like they were in a layup line when they were shooting threes. That's what it felt like for a little bit, and. Yeah. Young Bull was going crazy. He had three straight in the first half. Um, he was he was cooking us, but again, we had no true point guard. So you're going against yeah. people out of position. But you know, basketball's kind of positionless now. But yep. you know, and I'm talking about fast break here. And you think about two teams that have kind of been a thorn in our side for a lot for you know this year and a couple of years, and that's Indiana and Toronto. Guess what they rank in fast break points? One and two. First and first and second. Toronto is first at 17.8. Indiana is second at 17.7. So the really big Achilles heel for the Bucks, two biggest things in my opinion on defense, are points in the paint and transition. Transition, okay. you can cut that down. That that's 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 easy to get rid of. Yeah. A little bit of effort, get your ass back on defense. Yep. And take good shots so they have to take it out of the bottom of the net instead of just giving them the damn ball so they get three on twos. Three on ones, four on threes. You, you get what I'm trying to say? Yep. And I understand that we're not going to be perfect. Now, I'm not right. saying that we have to be. And I, yep. I, I'm not angry, and I don't think the season is over. Like, I'm not one of those people. These are definitely fixable problems, right? What do you think? Because this is how we approach these things, is we approach we want to see incremental improvement. We're still not even at the halfway point. And Brad brought up right. something that a lot of guys do, too, is complaining to rest for foul calls. That gives teams five on four a bunch of times. I agree. Yeah is we should look at these numbers and whether it's a post or a graphic is look at these numbers where they are 
and week to week try to set goals, whether right. it be to reduce from the transition points allowed from 15 to 13.5 yeah. between now and next Wednesday, something like that. Yeah. I think that's something we should try to do uh, to maybe try to visualize some of the potential improvements that this team can make. I, I agree, man, but here's the thing that I, that, that I, another thing that I came up with, right? So I went through the Bucks field goal percentages on certain shots, right? Mm-hmm. The Bucks field goal percentage on twos, they're actually second in the league on two point shot attempts, which you wouldn't believe me if you watched the first Boston Celtics matchup, by the way, because <laughs> they missed so many layups in that game. It was, yeah, game. it was gross. And then you look at the frequency in which they're shooting the two-pointers, they're 25th. So the efficiency there is amazing. Hmm. You go to the three-pointer, they're eighth in the NBA at, at three-point field goal percentage at 37.9. And then you go at the frequency that they're shooting them, that's 41.9. That's the sixth most. So the Bucks, That's almost really, perfect. Yeah, they're, they're taking good shots. They're, ma- they're making a lot of their shots, clearly. The thing about the transition defense is, A, what Brad's talking about, stop complaining to the refs. Yep. B, a lot of times, I mean, first of all, let, let's let's call a spade a spade, right? Brooke Lopez is not very fast. So yeah. when he's camping out on the three-point line, especially if he's in the corner, and Giannis is driving to the rim and he gets knocked down and he doesn't get a call, you're getting a five on three. Yeah. I, I wonder that, if that's something – and this is obviously just us talking about it, but I wonder if that's something they could coach Brooke and be like, hey – you know, we're going to accept that you're not going to be part of our offensive rebounding yeah. and you could just get back and, and be a force in the paint to force guys to spread out and, you know, maybe force them to take transition threes instead of transition layups. And, and this is, this is nothing against Brooke. I love Brooke. Brooke is awesome. Yeah. Brooke is a fantastic player, fantastic person, but maybe just let him stick to the top of the key three. So he doesn't have as far back to run. Yeah. Not the corner threes, leave the corner threes to the guy that knocks him down a lot. And his name is Malik Beasley because he's very and, good at those. And Pat Connaughton. And Pat Connaughton. Because you know Pat Connaughton's hustling back on defense anyways if he's in the 100%. corner. Let me throw this out there to you on that subject of, of keeping Brooke Lopez on the top of the key threes. I wonder how how well a Brooke Lopez Giannis pick and roll would go. I think it would be awesome. And, and I wonder... I wonder how teams would defend that because you're either hypothetically getting a slower defender on Giannis or you're leaving Brooke Lopez open for a top of the key three. Well, I can tell you the weak side defender is going to have to fully commit to helping that big guy. Mm-hmm. So one Giannis is going to have to watch out for the offensive foul. Cause you know, a guard's not going to try to block Giannis a shot, right? They're probably going to try to take a charge and Giannis if Giannis doesn't think that he can get there with his first step, he has to pass out of it because right. there's just going to be so many people that attack him. I mean, you saw it in the in the Jazz game when Giannis drove to the rim. There was legitimately was four ridiculous. Jazz players on him. It was we, yeah, we we needed Dame in that game. There, was, there was no spacing yep. in the Jazz game. So I think it could work, you know, schematically if you could draw yeah. it up correctly and have people in the right spots. But Giannis is going to have to be in playmaking mode at that moment. Yeah. Or, or like we talked about, I think it was you brought it up last week, 
Giannis might have to play off the ball a little bit more and you use Damian Lillard and Brooke Lopez like I just brought up in those pick and roll situations and make Giannis an off the ball nightmare because you constantly have to be wondering where he is. This is something that Chris Middleton does really well if they use Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton on a pick and roll. That works really well because Chris is always looking to where he can throw lobs to Giannis. So having Giannis off the ball and running pick and roll action What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. With Chris Middleton or Damian Lillard and just having Giannis constantly cutting to the basket, and if you don't cut him off, you're either giving him a, you know, a cut to the paint or you're getting dunked on or occasionally run over. I think Chris Middleton has to play with a little bit more confidence on offense. And I don't mean that in like a disrespectful way. I mean that in a way of like teams are starting to pick up on him looking for Giannis for the lob. And that's not like mm-hmm. a bad thing. Like this should always be an option. You have a six eleven guy that can dunk on a 15 foot rim. I mean, that's, that's a nice <laughs> thing to have. Right. But Chris Middleton, when he's aggressive and he's asserting himself is a different monster. He's a bucket. That's a guy that could average 25, not 20. Oh, yeah. So I need Chris Middleton to put the pedal to the metal a little bit and be a be little more bit impressive. more assertive on offense, especially yeah. when Damian Lillard is out. As, yeah. When you Damian Lillard is off the floor, like Chris Middleton, you, Middleton, yeah. Yeah. So, turn, into, turn into DeMar DeRozan with your shot selection at that point. Yeah. And I think Chris can get to the rim a little bit better than he gives himself credit for, too. I think that Definitely sometimes more than Bucks fans give him credit for that that as well. I think sometimes he he takes mid range shots because he knows he's good at them. When like I'm thinking like Chris, if you would have taken one more hard dribble and, and gave a shoulder, dude, you're you're probably getting fouled, which is also a good thing because you're good at shooting free throws. Right. I will say this as far as where he's at right now, and the Bucks played a back to back. Chris Middleton played a back to back. He only played the first half, which was the plan. Yep. I don't necessarily want to see Chris Middleton trying to go and play for contact. I get it. And I'm not saying ever, like, I'm not saying he should never play for contact, but if he can get a stop and pop at the elbow uncontested, like, I'll take the two points, thanks. Oh, right, right. But I'm talking about the ones that I feel like he forces a little bit, where I'm like, take one more hard dribble, you're getting a layup there. And he he can finish in the rim, at the rim, so – and he's a legit six eight. So go to the rim, man. It I guess it would depend on who's who's in the paint on the opposite end. Like if it's if it's Mitchell Robinson, like nah, take your jumper. <laughs> or or Joel Embiid, like take your jumper. Yeah. But if Jokic is in there, like you can you can go. He's not swatting your shot or running into you. <laughs> well, he might run into you, but that's just because he's not Slow. very good at <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Okay, this is just random, but I don't understand how you have such good footwork on offense, but you can't have good footwork on defense. That doesn't make sense. He uses all of his uh, his mental capacity on offense. <laughs> I mean, clearly, clearly, yeah, he does. He does some ridiculous stuff. All right, anything else you want to intervene on before we talk about some potential solutions? I wanted to talk about the rotation, but I really don't have a problem with the rotation. I just, I, and well. I do have a problem with the rotation, but I can't say anything right now because Jay Crowder's not in there. Really so, close. So once I see what the rotation looks like with Jay Crowder in there, 
then I could probably have, you know, I can have more context, first of all. But I just want Dame and Giannis to be a little bit more staggered between in the first half. That's the only thing that I have. And I understand playing them together and Dame plays the whole first quarter. But, like, if you have to take Giannis out uh, another minute early and then let Dame cook for an extra minute so maybe he can get into a, a better flow when he comes back in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and this is the thing. We talked about this last week, too. Not even halfway through the season. And it's not like there's groundwork from last season to build on. Damian right. Giannis, before this season, had never played together. Right. So there's there's no basis here of how this stuff can work because neither one of them has played with as good of a player as each other. Right. So there's there's no base, there's no foundation for what they are doing. They are finding it all out. And we are not even halfway. Yeah, they'll be fine. I'm not worried. It's gonna come back into one of my things that I'm gonna talk about as a reason for optimism. All right, we can all right. let's talk about some potential solutions. I'm gonna be straight up honest with you. I have two super outlandish ones that are probably not gonna happen except in like one alternate universe. And then I have one that is a much more realistic option. Mm-hmm. So it's up to you if you want me to go first or if you want to go first or if you want to alternate. Cook. All right. You want me to give uh, my slightly outlandish or my super outlandish one first? Slightly. Slightly outlandish? All right. This is the first one I wrote down anyways. Bobby Portis. Pat Connaughton, Andre Jackson Jr., and maybe draft compensation for Andrew Wiggins. Oh. So the the reports are that Golden State wants a bigger role for Jonathan Kuminga. So what they get back in Pat Connaughton is a backup to Jonathan Kuminga. Bobby Portis gives Golden State attitude without being full Draymond. Gives them a good rebounder. Um, so they keep their forward depth with Pat. They get a good rebounder in Bobby. Uh, Andre Jackson Jr. gives them a young, versatile defensive oh. prospect and then draft compensation to make it work. Andrew Wiggins then gives the Bucks a bona fide defensive-minded starter, a yep. guy who's got proven championship experience, another yep. guy that can score, and then we can have Malik Beasley be the sixth man of the year. That's tough. I'm I'm on board. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to be against Air Canada on my team. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's slightly outlandish, but his asking price is lower because he's having kind of a down year after playing really well in the finals. So again, while I don't think this is really at all possible, I, like I said, it's slightly outlandish. I do think there is a realm where you can make it make sense. I'm with it. I mean, I have a trade in one of mine too, but mine's not as big as that one. <laughs> My other one is worse. <laughs> oh God! What do you got? You want me to rip it? All right, rip it. I'm 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 game for this. This is fun for me. Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, Brad said only if Wiggins decide he wants to play every night. Well, I mean, if you're playing with Giannis and Dame, you're probably gonna be okay. My second one. Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, and anything else it takes for DeJounte Murray and Wesley Matthews. I've been hearing about Murray 
Oh, that. That's tough, man. Oh, you just have another guy that takes mid-range. You're he probably going to hate me for this. You're probably going to hate me for this. But if you have Murray, you have no need for Chris Middleton. Well, I he, mean, it's something where you can transition into the future if Chris Middleton retires in two or three years. But here's here's my thing. So DeJounte Murray, money-wise, is affordable. We need to squeeze basically any remaining assets out to get him, assuming yep. someone else doesn't offer a bunch of first-round picks for him. Yep. Bobby Portis gives the Hawks a cheaper Clint Capella so that they could then buy him out and save themselves some money next year. And the other part of this deal is, yes, I want Wesley Matthews back in this deal. If the Bucks make a trade with the Hawks, whether it be for DeJounte Murray or for Boyan Bogdanovich or what or DeAndre Hunter, who's on the on the trade block, he's a little out of the Bucks price range, but I want Wesley Matthews back in the deal. I want his his defensive hard mindedness back on the Bucks. Yeah. I don't care that he's 37. I don't care that he's gonna have some nights where he shoots like over three on threes and gets beat on defense a couple times. I do not care. Wesley Matthews, when he's locked in, is a great guard defender. I'm not against it. I am not against it at all. Okay. okay. Those are I my like two it. outlandish ones. My last one is a little more realistic, and it uh, involves more of the buyout market or a smaller trade. So my last one is to find a wing defender and a backup point guard. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I'm on board with that one. <laughs> the the names that I'm monitoring now, Aaron Holiday and Reggie Bullock, who are kind of out of the Rockets rotation. Royce O'Neal, noted Bucks killer for the Nets, should they decide that they're not going to try to compete. Derek Rose, who should absolutely be on the Bucks radar because the, the Grizzlies now are going to be without John Morant for the rest of the year. Yep. So the Grizzlies are pretty much ready to tank because they have no jaw and no Steven Adams. So they're they're not going to be delusional to think that they're going to compete without those two. Yep. So Derek Rose should absolutely be on the Bucks radar. Chris Dunn, potentially an option from Utah. His stats are pretty similar to campaigns. So I don't know that there's really a big gain there. Um Josh Akogi. He's a guy who's not going to give you a ton of offense, but he's a defensive guy. And he's kind of out of the rotation in Phoenix. Yeah. Because of Grayson Allen. Exactly. And then the last one is just monitoring anybody that the Pistons buy out, whether it be Alec Burks, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Boyan Bogdanovich, sorry. Um, anybody that the Pistons buy out, except for Killian Hayes, because he might be the worst player in the NBA. I don't know. Isaiah Stewart's pretty trash dude i'm gonna be honest <laughs> that's fair and people give us shit for thanasis yeah, right i'd easily rather have thanasis than those two but yeah so my last my last potential solution is find a wing defender and a backup point guard probably on the buyout market yeah so i have a wing defender and a point guard for a trade but uh my first one is one that every bucks fan is gonna get on board with he talked about that we have dogs they just didn't know how to be dogs. My first one is bring PJ home, dude. You want to change defensive mentality? 
it starts with a guy that lives and breathes defensive mentality. A guy that is always on 100, a guy that is on site. It's on site with PJ with PJ Tucker, dude. I want PJ Tucker back in the Bucks uniform. I okay. think that he could there's a there's a lot of things that you could do. First of all, you know, there's the camaraderie with the guys, right? I mean, they want a championship together. So yeah. think about that close knit, right? I think he could help fix Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis is in a funk. Bobby Portis and PJ Tucker, they seem like they're boys. I think that they can fix each other. Plus, he's a very smart guy. You yeah. don't have limited athleticism like PJ Tucker and yeah, survive in the NBA without being super right. fucking smart. Yeah, that's fair. Also, having him in one corner wide the hell open with Beasley in the other corner because you know he's going to make it. I mean, you want to talk about spacing. Can you imagine PJ Tucker doing the Beasley, the Beasley shimmy? He would be caught dead doing that. He would never do that. He would never do that, bro. Never in his life. So my next one actually happened with the Grizzlies as well. As soon as I saw the John Moran thing, I was like, oh, yeah. So this one's actually my craziest one, but I'm going to say it right now. The Bucks go full chaotic mode, and we take Marcus Smart as he's looking for revenge against the Boston Celtics. Oh, I love that idea, the Boston Celtics revenge part. I've I've actually written an article about this that it does make sense. And now without John Morant, if they can free themselves some money to potentially bring somebody in next year, I mean, I'd they, love to see it happen. It would they, honestly. They brought in Marcus Smart for one reason, right? Because John Morant's not guarding anybody. Let's be honest. Right. I'm not saying he's not trying, but he's an offensive superstar. Yeah, okay? they needed a wing defender. So they brought him in because okay, when we get to the playoffs and we need somebody to. Guard the best ball handler on the other team. That's Marcus Smart, right? Yep. The Bucks are a in the ball exact handler same defender needy team, right? They're, so yeah, they're in the exact same spot. Yeah. So getting a Marcus Smart when he was literally the heart and soul of that Boston Celtics team, for them to get rid of him, to see him in a Bucks uniform against Man. a New Holiday and a Celtics uniform, that would be weird. Except we got Damian Lillard too. <laughs> we did. We got Damian Lillard. So, man, I want I want the Marcus Smart thing to happen just because that's like <laughs> that's almost like reality TV ish in in a way. Yeah. But it yeah, would be like would real be life, like real real life, not like that staged reality TV stuff. That would be insane. My next one, this guy might be the second best on ball defender in the league. But he can guard bigger guys. His name is Matisse Thybul. Yeah, that's a good one. I've written about him actually in the past too. He's just over there in Portland, dude. Just, just waiting to be traded for. <laughs> he's just locking people up, and nobody knows about it because he's all the way over there, and nobody watches their games because they're terrible, and they don't have Damian Lillard anymore. So, what the hell? I really, you know, and I brought this up earlier. I really wanted to talk about bringing Brogdon home and seeing if we could like fix that relationship. I put I put Brogdon in question marks down here because I really personally think that, and you agreed, I think that he would be the perfect backup point guard for this team. Absolutely. You talk about a guy that can get the troops together. Him and Bobby Portis, a Brogdon and Bobby Portis pick and roll would be disgusting. That'd be fun. That would be so gross. <laughs> he could have his number thirteen back. I don't care. Like just give it to him back. Um, but Marcus Smart seems like the 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 
more likely. So let's get Thibault. Let's get Marcus Smart. Let's go get – let's bring P.J. Tucker home. We got some on-ball defenders, and then we still have Dame, Giannis, Brooke Lopez, and Chris Middleton. Now you have all of the fittings for a team that could match up with Boston and win the title. Because right yeah. now, I'll be honest, when I was looking at the field goal percentages, do you know that Boston takes the most threes in the league? They literally are the epitome of live by the three, die by the three. Hmm. Because they have the they have the the seventh highest percentage on three pointers. So they take the most near the seventh highest percentage, but they don't take that many two pointers. They literally just score in transition and score threes. Hmm. That's what they do. Okay. So you get a, you get a Marcus Smart who's you know s- smart with the ball. You you tell Giannis to slow down a little bit, and that's the thing I was going to talk about with Giannis and Dame. You know, taking the ball out of Giannis's hands, it's hard to take the ball out of his hands because he grabs so many damn defensive rebounds, mm-hmm. and then he calls his own number. So you're right. not going to tell Giannis not to call his own number. I'll tell you that. In transition, I'm totally fine with it. It's right in the half court or in on an inbound. Right, that's Damian Lillard's job. I 100% agree with that. Okay, so this said the the interventions, the potential solutions. I'm gonna be honest with you, it was not hard for me to find reasons to still be optimistic for this season. All right. So let me just say this: the Bucks' offense is carrying. The Bucks are number seven in point margin with a bad defense. They're giving up a lot of points, which just means that to still be top ten in margin is just that their offense is carrying. Um, Brad, I get I get hating Marcus Smart's antics. I think if you take him out of Boston, that that maybe changes because we've seen it with Grant Williams. Yeah. Grant Williams. I, I love Dallas Mavericks, Grant Williams. Me too. Boston Celtics, Grant Williams is really annoying. Yeah, it's that jersey, man. It, it, it might be. It's the jersey for sure. So – Getting him out of Boston, I think, could change that. Now, the Bucks allow 119.9 points per game. That's a lot. However, where they're currently ranked, if they just allowed six fewer points a game, just six, talking two threes or three twos, six points, they'd be in the top 14 in the league. Wow. And we'd be having a much different conversation and there'd probably be a lot more or probably a lot less complaining. Just uh, a six-point difference. Yeah. Any given night, that that fluctuates. That can easily fluctuate. That's the difference between 120 and 114. Yeah. Which is where the Bucks are. Mm-hmm. Six points. If the Bucks can cut half a point a week off of that, and over the next 12 weeks, that's three months, that's right before the playoffs. They'll be in the top half of the league in defensive uh, defensive points per game, and their offense, as far as they're, as long as they're healthy, it's not going anywhere. Agreed. So that, first of all, reason for optimism for me. Said it a couple times already. We are not even halfway through the season. Not even half. They're still second in the East. Second. We, we won the title as a three seed. Mm-hmm. And people are in 
tears, hysterics, full-blown fire everybody, trade everybody mode. Second in the East. Because I lost three out of four. Yep. People, if this is how you're going to act, honestly, just turn your TV off until April. I saw a post uh, on Twitter, and it was from a guy who posted a five-game losing streak in the 2021 season. And he mm-hmm. said, imagine if the Bucks had, had sold the farm this, this year when fans were complaining. Just saying. And it was also in January, but it was it was in late January. They went on a five-game losing streak. That's I think I remember that actually. I remember We've been covering the Bucks for what three years now. Yeah, oh, we're coming up on the th- the three-year anniversary of the show. I think. Oh, here it is. They lost to the Suns by one point. They lost to the the Jazz. They lost to the Thunder. They lost to the Raptors back to back. Brad said Giannis talks about building habits. Unfortunately, these are becoming bad habits. I don't think that's the case. I don't think they're building bad habits because if you look game to game to game, it's not the same exact things that are happening every game. So I I don't I don't buy it. I don't buy it that it's the same thing every single game. It's not just like, you know, one team is attacking this and then the next team does it and the next team does it and the next team does it. They're not losing games in the same way. I don't think. I don't think there's a blanket thing that you can put and say this is why the Bucks have 12 losses. Right. It's not like when you talk about football, like, oh, the Bears suck at passing, so, like, let's just stop the run, right? It's not exactly. like that. Like, yeah, I think the Bucks, like you said, you can just look back at this last week, dude. Like, seriously, look back at this last week. Like, they lost to the Pacers because seven players on the Pacers scored in double figures. So they allowed balanced scoring from the Pacers, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go to the Rockets game, they only gave up 112 points. So the offense really was the reason that was the letdown for that game. I agree. And we, we talked about missing Dame and even campaign in the Jazz game because it, it hurts the offense. Yeah. And obviously the defensive effort wasn't great in that game. But like I said, I'm, I'm not buying this one fix and the Bucks are perfect. Uh, mentality notion that a lot of fans have. And Brad, I'm not saying that's you specifically, but there's a lot of it in groups and on Twitter that it's just, if we make this one change, and we talked about this with Mike Spofford about the Packers too, that if we just make this one change, that everything will be perfect. And that's not the case. Yeah. And I get that if you take the other perspective and go, oh my God, that means we have so many things to fix. We're not even halfway. There are still what? They've played 37, so there's still 42, 47 games to go. Yeah. 45. 45 games to go. 45. Yeah. 45 games to go. You just got to be patient. You don't, yeah. You're probably not going to like to hear it, and if it offends you, it means it's about you. You got to be patient. Bottom line. Yep. Now, the last two things that I'll say – on having some optimism for this is there are other teams with similar problems that are in much worse spots than the Bucks are. And the two that immediately come to mind are LA and Phoenix. The Lakers, I should say the LA Lakers and Phoenix. Those two are both teams that are expected to be like title contending teams. And they are. Yeah. And Brad, like I said, I wasn't saying it was you specifically, but I'm saying people got to have some patience, but 
The Lakers, they're they might be firing their coach, but they've had him for two and a half years. The the Suns, what the hell is going on in Phoenix? They don't have a point guard. We said that. But they're they're floating around 500 with Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant on their roster. They literally thought they were going to get rid of a point guard and play with no point guard and they were going to be okay. Like, I understand that basketball is positionless, but you still need somebody that passes the freaking ball. Yeah. Yeah. If they would have Chris Paul with those options, that team would be disgusting. Yeah, that would be. be Chris Paul, you have to score six points per game, but you can have 17 assists. Yeah. He would gladly sign up for that because that's what he's good at. And you know what else they did? They exchanged Monty Williams for Frank Vogel. Yeah, that was a bad call. Not that I think that Monty Williams is like a complete game changer, but he's a better coach than Frank Vogel. He brought, he brought them to the finals more yeah. recently than Frank Vogel did with the Lakers in the bubble. It's true. I'd rather have Monty Williams than Frank Vogel. Oh, I would too. Obviously, the Pistons decided that their money was better spent there to make Monty Williams the highest paid coach in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Last thing. So you brought up Boston. Boston is humming. To their credit, they're playing super well. Their their fit looks well with Drew and Porzingis being in there with, with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. The fit looks good. That team, they're waiting for the playoffs to start. The Bucks have been that team since they won the championship. They've been waiting for the playoffs to start. Yep. And you get to the playoffs, and then it's just like, okay, the playoffs are here, and it's a second round, and a guy gets hurt, and we're out, and a first round, we're out. I am actually glad that the Bucks are in a situation where they have things to work on instead of just waiting for the playoffs. Because we've seen the Bucks absolutely destroy teams this season. And this team can get better. Boston, in my opinion, they're pretty close to their peak. Yep. The Bucks, not even close to as yeah. good as they can be. Nowhere We've seen near. flashes of it. But this Bucks team can be insane. And we've got a very small sample size of what this team looks like with a guy like Jay Crowder, who, when he got hurt, was shooting over 50% on threes and was often the first guy off the bench. Yeah. So, for me, I'm optimistic because the Bucks have things they can work on over the next 45 games to get better. I like that. I like that they have things to work on during these regular season games because, as their record shows, they're going to be in the playoffs. So that's not that's not really an issue. They're not fighting for a playoff spot, but they're going to be fighting to go deeper into the playoffs. And now they have these 45 games to work on the things that are going to help them go deeper. I take optimism from that. So, Jake, you have some reasons to be optimistic about the rest of the season? I have two. Okay. Okay. The first one is a Greek. His name is Giannis. Oh, I thought you were going with Thanasis. All right. I mean, that's a great choice as well. If you <laughs> can't look at this Bucks roster, if you can't look at a photo of Giannis, if you can't watch a highlight video of Giannis and find a reason to be optimistic, you got problems. Not everybody else has that, okay? We have that. We have a guy that could put up 60. 
We have a guy that can grab 20 rebounds. We have a guy that can have 25, five, five, five steals, five blocks, five assists. I mean, we have we have a unicorn. He was Wemby before Wemby. Wemby's just super size. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my first reason. My second reason, and I mean this with, with everything in my body, it's the fans. Okay? We've seen the fans show up for this team. We've seen the support the fans in this state of these teams can give our teams. Did you watch that game on Sunday? I was there. That stadium was loud. We were screaming. We were chanting for the defense. We were pumped up. We were giving them energy. Did you see the finals in Milwaukee? Man. That was insane. That was a scene out of a movie, dude. There was 60,000 people in the streets for a basketball game. Let's be those fans because this team needs us. Yeah. Did you guys forget what it was like to win 15 games? I'm going to be real blunt. That fucking sucks. Yeah. That's hard. And you know what? We're real. We were fans. We were there. We were at the games. We were there. We were watching baby Giannis. We were seeing the first mean mugs. And we watched him grow into the monster that he is today. We got to be those fans. Okay? Because that's what this team needs right now. And we have Damian fucking Lillard on our team. (laughs) We're the Milwaukee Bucks. We have championship DNA. And we are championship fans. So let's act like it, okay? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Fans, man, it just got me pumped, man. Because I know that we could be better. Yeah. Don't don't take your online persona and put it out there as the real you. Because that's not really you. I promise you that. Yeah. When I talk online, I talk like I am now. I love my team. And I'm passionate about my team. But there's ways to go about it. Yeah. You don't have to tear everything down after every <clears throat> loss. That's not how this works. What are we doing right now? We're, we we're... skipped recaps in favor of doing things differently because obviously we, we are the optimistic show. But we are here showing you can be realistic and optimistic. You can do both. You don't have to say that somebody's optimistic and your response is to be like, well, I'm realistic when you're just being a dick. And man, I, I literally, like, I don't say the word hate a lot. Like, when I say hate, I, like, I hate, okay? And, like, hate's a very strong word to me. I hate when people say that. There is literally no room in the world for that. No, you're not no. being a realist. What you are is you're being argumentative and you're not agreeing with what I'm saying, and you're not being open-minded, and you're not having a different way of thinking about things. And there's nothing wrong with thinking differently, okay? And Luke Fickle talks about change all the time and adapting. So I think it's time for fans to adapt. So let's let's be better. Let's Let's be the fans that we're known for. Lambeau Field is always known for being awesome. Bucks, the, the Giannis talks all the time about how the Bucks fans give us energy. So let's and I and they got booed last game. And it happens, yeah. but let let's let's be better. Let's give this team energy. Yeah, and I would say in addition to it, let's cultivate some patience. Yeah, we've played thirty-seven games. There's forty-five to go. Forty-five more games. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. A lot of games. 
That's a lot of games. That's a lot of games. We are, I mean, we're just starting to get snow on the ground, and all the snow is going to be melted when the regular season is over. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go like, through the snow season, which feels like forever. <laughs> that's how far away the end of the regular season is. Yeah. yeah, and Steve, we're trying to change this. Steve said he finds that the number of people that choose to be miserable is growing in society. We're trying to change that. We're agents for the opposite. And it, it's not like we're forcing optimism on people, but seriously, when it comes to the, the roller coaster of the up and down is to be able to feel the ups, but remain level in the lows. So that when things aren't going great, that you can pull yourself out of it and be like, okay, this sucks, but what's a different way that I can look at it? That it's not just going to be like, oh my God, everything is awful. And I now I want to go tell other people that this is awful so that they'll agree with me so that I know I'm not feeling awful alone. That's no. the misery loves company aspect of it. And we kind of need, we need, we need to throw a wrench in that because it's true. Like the misery loves company thing is true. People, they want to have, be able to be negative, go yeah. online and post about it and have other people agree with them because it gives them validation. We will not do that. We will not give that negative validation. We will give the positive validation, and we do. Like we respond to almost every single comment that people put on any of our any of our work. But when it comes to negativity, we will call people out and we'll say it couldn't possibly be that the other team has good players, or it couldn't possibly be that this just didn't work out the way they planned it, or things like that, or it couldn't possibly be that the team has opportunities to improve or things like that. It doesn't always have to just be like, this team sucks, trade this guy, this guy should be forced into retirement, and we should fire the coach. You know, there's a lot of people, and Steve, you just brought up like a really, really touchy subject in my brain that I think about all the time because I work with a lot of people that literally choose to be miserable every day. We go to the same place. At the same time, we all do the same jobs. And I'm not saying that I wake up with a smile on my face because I don't know many people that wake up with a smile on their face at, at four in the morning. It's hard to do. But for you to have the same mindset that you had at four in the morning, at two in the afternoon, you're telling me that there's nothing in your life that you're happy about? There's nothing in your life that you're excited about? Like people are literally just miserable. And they take that mindset from their daily life and they put it into sports. Or whatever negativity they have, they project all of that into their sports fandom. And that is just wrong to me. I don't know how many times that I've talked about it or Tyler has talked about it. This is a form of entertainment. Okay? This is supposed to be fun. Okay? Yep. I don't care how much money you bet. You made that decision. Okay? That, that, that is strictly on you. That is accountability on your part for betting that money. I don't care what else you have going on in your life. Now, there are situations that I will feel bad for you, and I will, I will I'll gladly listen to people if they need somebody to talk to, honest to God. But don't take something that's supposed to be fun for everybody and make it suck because you're mad. I don't like that. Yeah. I like watching basketball. I enjoy watching Giannis dunk on people, okay? That's fun for me. 
Because yeah. then I get to go on my Xbox and I get to be pretend Giannis and then I get to dunk on people. So let's just let sports be fun, okay? That's something that, that I have been wanting to get off my chest for a while on this show. We talked about it with Spofford on Friday night too, that it shouldn't have to be the case that we avoid social media when things don't go well, when our teams lose, that we then have to avoid that. Like, if that was if that was a real place and, like, there was a place that we hung out and we had to avoid going there if the Packers lost or the Bucks lost, and it's like, okay, I don't even want to go there because I know the people are going to be shitty. Yeah. That's what social media is. That we can't even, like, try to go on to Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, whatever it may be, and interact with people because it's just a stream where, and I've brought this up previously on, on different shows, that on average, it's eight or nine negative posts to every one positive. And we I, wonder why the people in the world are so depressed all the time. You don't think it's a product of what they see? And you might just say, well, I only made one post. You could be one of the eight or nine negative posts. But there's eight other people who are part of that. And now somebody has just scrolled through and seen fire, fire, trade this guy. This sucks. This team won't win a championship. And be like, hey, it's not a big deal. The season's only halfway over. And to not think that that majority is going to control the one. Like people aren't just going to see one positive post and be like, okay, yes, it is okay. When the last seven things they just scrolled past were all people just crying because they can't be patient and watch for things to improve steadily that they just want it to be perfect all at once in the middle of the season, in the middle of January. The finals are played in June. They want everything to be perfect in the middle of January, or they want the new coach fired 35 games into his first season. Tyler, I'm going to pose a question to you, and this is going to be rhetorical. But when are people going to learn? Look at the, the 2020 Wisconsin Badger basketball team. That team didn't look like world beaters. Obviously, the tournament got, got canceled, but they got insanely on fire. And they looked like the team to beat going into the tournament. Mm -hmm. Look at the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers offense wasn't anything to write home about. I'll call it what it is. Mm -hmm. But going into the playoffs, they were 100% on fire. They won the division. They were looking great. Look at the Green Bay Packers. Two and five. Yeah. You want to talk about people crying? My God. How many deleted tweets? <laughs> I wish I could see all the deleted tweets that people had about Jordan Love. I really severely do. About Goot, about the wide receivers. I wish I could see all those deleted tweets, dude. Yep. Because there would be some freaking doozies. <laughs> and now all of them are the biggest fans. All of them are going to be rocking number 10 jerseys. All of them are singing to the high heavens that Goode is the best GM in the North. When are people going to learn? And by I'd the like way, to say, I'd like to say with a championship, but that's already happened. True. But by the way, the correlation that I'm making, the direct correlation I'm making between the, the Bucks and the Packers, two and five is not even halfway through the season. True. It's very true. Very Where are the Bucks true. right now? Yeah. And you know what? The Bucs are in a much better position than the Packers were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
The Bucks are the equivalent of what, like five and two? Yeah. And you know what? They have the second best player in the NBA and the second best point guard in the NBA. Did we just freaking forget who they are? When are people going to learn? You got to zoom out. You got to zoom out. That's that's what it comes down to. You can't you can't hinge so high and so low on every single game. Yes. And it's and it's worse, honestly. And I'm not gonna. I don't have anybody to single out for this, and nor would I. But there are people who will literally, even when the things go well, to try to find negative takeaways. Uh, that yes. That's not good for anybody. Just seriously work on just completely weeding that out of your life because that's not going to serve you any good anytime ever. So the Bucks have an opportunity. They play Boston tomorrow night at home. They play Saturday against Golden State at home. And then they play Sacramento on Sunday. So the Bucks play tomorrow and then Saturday and Sunday. I'm going to say the Bucs go 2-1. and one. I'm going to say they lose that Sacramento game. It's the second half of a back-to-back. Sacramento is kind of a young, plucky team. Uh, on the second half of a back-to-back, I'll say Sacramento gets that one. But I'm really looking for the Bucs to make a statement tomorrow night. Tomorrow? Tomorrow is where men get made. Boys turn to men tomorrow. I will, I will stand on that hill. I think... I think the Bucks come out tomorrow. They play inspired basketball. So I'm thinking they're going to win tomorrow. I mean, if we could have the refs that the Lakers had against the Raptors, <laughs> that'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> that was bad. Um, I'm going to say 2-1 and one as well. Golden State's not the same. Uh, they're, they're, you know, I was looking at a lot of numbers this week, and, man, they are just all over the board inconsistently. Um. Yeah, Phoenix say, has no point guard. They have two point guards. Yeah, for, for real. Well, not anymore because Chris Paul's hurt. Yeah, but still, he's not out for the season. He's like six weeks, I think. Yeah, so I'll say two and one as well. They beat Boston, makes them go on a little run. I will, I will leave a little caveat though. If they beat Boston, that could jumpstart some shit, dude. Yeah, I expect a playoff atmosphere tomorrow night. Honestly. Yeah. Be good fans. They need you. Yeah. All right. That said, hopefully next week we can be back to just having some regular recap conversation. I do think that this type of intervention was necessary, and hopefully people enjoyed us having a little bit of a different discussion. We want to show you can be optimistic and realistic. Mm -hmm. You can be both. So that's what we're here to do. Other than that, Jake, is there anything else you want to say before we sign off until Friday night? Uh See you Friday night. <laughs> hopefully, right. and, and hopefully see you in person on Saturday. And Saturday as well. Yes, sir. So we will be at the Cardboard Legacy event on Saturday. You can see us there at the Herd Arena. So other than that, I will see you Friday night to talk about the Packers. Take care, bro. Have a good night. Thanks, everybody, for watching and commenting along. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.